This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Thank you very much, Rabbi Zatz. Shusha Rav Shechter, Rav Zatz, Mariva Abbasai. I'd like to reflect this morning upon the LGBTQT movement from the dual perspective of Emuna and Halacha. Correct Emuna, correct belief, is the basis of everything. False or superficial belief not only falls short in fulfilling the mitzvah of Emunah, but it, it vitiates, it undermines the totality of Torah. The meaningfulness of all Torah and mitzvahs is contingent upon true Emunah. Talmud Torah, Tefillah, Sibu Mitzrayim, etc. constitute acts of Avodah Hashem only when we truly believe in Him. Truly believe is a double entendre. The phrase denotes that the substance of the belief is objectively true and that the individual genuinely believes. So let's besiyata the Shamaya probe what true belief in Hashem means and entails. Now, in truth, we should review all the Yud Gimli we're going to focus on one aspect which is especially relevant, especially pertinent to the application that we have in mind. The Rambam writes in Perak in the Hagdam to Perak where he presents the Yud Gimli Korim, The first fundamental principle is that of the existence of the Creator. Who and, and what this fundamental principle expresses, encapsulates, Shiyesh Sham Motsui Bishlemos of Fani That there exists the ultimately perfect being, who is ultimately perfect. The Torah then explicates the corollary of this core belief, all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's actions are perfect. And in particular, Torah Sashem Tamimah, His Torah is perfect. What does genuine belief entail? Certainly it entails understanding, mental assent, and intellectual conviction. But it's not constricted to the cognitive realm. Belief is also measured by behavior. Following are a few somewhat random illustrations. Gentiles, according to Avisha Feinstein, are obligated to daven in an Eistzara. Although tefillah is never listed anywhere as one of the chiyuvim incumbent upon B'nai Noach, Rebbeisha reasons that it follows from their obligation to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One who genuinely believes, prays in an Eist Tzara. once 
chastised a devout family member who in practice hesitated to override Shabbos in a situation of Pikuach Nefesh. And he branded him an Apikoros. His reasoning? The Rambam writes that one who believes that it's prohibited to override Shabbos in such a situation is a heretic. The belief has to be translated into action. Belief and behavior must be commensurate. The definition of Avodah Zarah, according to the Rambam, is directing any act of religious worship to any creature, to Adava Hanivra, even though the idolater, in quotations, believes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all-powerful, is solely sovereign, sovereign. His belief is monotheistic, but his practice isn't. And therefore, he's considered a kofar. This last illustration is especially compelling. Genuine belief and behavior must be commensurate. Let's segue to review some of the Torah's teachings relating to homo and transsexuality and our obligations to and concerning LGBTQ individuals. The Torah most certainly does not disparage individuals who involuntarily experience same-sex attraction. The measure of a person is how he voluntarily <coughs> behaves, not what he involuntarily experiences. We should marshal and generate, as needed, communal resources to fully support our brothers and sisters in implementing their unqualified commitment to the observance of all mitzvahs. We live in a historical era when, in general, religious coercion is unwarranted, counterproductive, and wrong. We thus oppose any type of unlawful discrimination against individuals who live an LGBTQ lifestyle. Moreover, we're always guided by the dictates of the Torah mandate as applicable. Homosexual behavior, both male and female, is absolutely categorically forbidden for Jews and non-Jews. In communicating this truth, that is, teaching Torah honestly and accurately, one performs an extraordinary chesed. For Amr what is the, the Pasuk, what we know it from Eshes Chayel, refers to Torah's Chesed, that there's two types of Torah. The second of the two answers the Gemara presents, Ika Amrei, Torah Lamda Zori Torah Shal Chesed. When a person learns Torah with the intent to share that Torah, that's Torah Shal Chesed. Honest, faithful teaching of Torah confers the intrinsic merit of Limit HaTorah. It also provides the roadmap for living an authentic life of Avodah Hashem, the only meaningful life, and the bridge to Nitzchiyas, Olam Haba. There's no greater chesed than that. Empathetically and supportively teaching the truth of Torah is not homophobic, it's the ultimate chesed. Conversely, when we allow political correctness or the McCarthyism of cancel culture 
to suppress or even soften the relevant truths of Torah, we become complicit in victimizing individuals who are struggling with their sexuality. As is the case with other radical movements cloaked in self-righteousness, the LGBTQT victimizes most those whom it purports to support. By advocating and even celebrating the range of Isurim represented by its moniker, the LGBTQT movement promotes sin and spiritual alienation. Additionally, it's abundantly self-evident that the unprecedented numbers of individuals sincerely struggling with sexuality is societally driven. Individual problems and struggles often translate in a way that mirrors societal problems, struggles, and evils. Thus, the LGBTQT movement first sows sexual confusion and anomaly, then it aggressively advocates for what is anathema. We must not retreat into silence and become complicit in that victimization. Speak we must, but in an uncensored fashion. When sourcing the prohibition, the verse in Vayikra must be cited in its entirety. The Torah not only categorically forbids, in this Pasuk, speaking of male homosexual relations, it also brands them a to'eva, an abomination. As is plainly evident in its condemnatory designation, the Torah is speaking of homosexual behavior, not chas v'shalom of individuals who involuntarily experience such an attraction. We commit a double offense if we elide the final phrase, to'eva he. We're guilty of brazenly, brazenly censoring HaKadosh Baruch but we're also guilty of undermining the prohibition. The first assimilationist step in deference to LGBTQT pandering society is to soften the prohibition. It's naive to think that the assimilationist, accommodationist impulse does not carry the process further. Some people, while admirably trying to remain faithful to Torah, wrongly assert that these, that homosexual prohibitions are instances of chukim, that is, unintuitive commandments which do not accord with natural morality. This, however, is a dangerous apologetic distortion. The Mishnah Nasechus Horiyas, in detailing the halachos of triage, teaches that generally we prioritize redeeming a woman over a man from captivity. If, however, both will be forced into prostitu prostitution, then we prioritize redeeming the man. The Rambam, citing the Yerushalmi, explains, the crime of rape which is repeatedly perpetrated in situations of forced prostitution, is always especially heinous. The heinousness of male prostitution, however, is further compounded by the fact that homosexual relations are abnormal. 
אין דרכו בכך. Similarly, in recounting a tale of Kiddush Hashem from Chorben Bar Yesheni, the Bavli draws the same distinction. Maise bedalad meyaz yeladim v'yeladol shenishbu l'kolem. It happened in the course of the devastation of the Chorben that 400 young boys and girls were taken captive and were going to be forced into prostitution. They sensed what their fate was going to be. Omru, so the girls, took the initiative. If we preemptively kill ourselves by, by jumping into the ocean and drowning ourselves, will we have a share in Olam Haba? So the oldest amongst them reassured them that that was the case. Kevin Sheshamul Yeladas Kach, when after receiving that reassurance, Kavtsu Kulan Vinafla Tachayam, all the 400 girls jumped into the raging ocean and drowned. Nasu Yeladim Kalbachom Mebaatsman Vonru, Mahalalu Shadakan Lachach Kach, Onu Shein Darken Lachach Al Achas Vakama Vakama. The boys reasoned that they certainly should drown themselves because the Chilul Hashem of male prostitution, of homosexuality, which is aberrational, would be even greater. As evidenced by both the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, the Torah's prohibition is a mishpat, an intuitive mitzvah which accords with natural morality. Moreover, the prohibition against homosexual relations is one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. The Rambam says that there are no chukim amongst the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. Hadas no tolahen. These mitzvahs comprise the natural universal religion. The Rav states this incontrovertible truth very candidly. Bestiality and homosexuality both are considered unnatural acts. Unquote. The Ibn Ezra explains why the Torah labels homosexual relations a to'eva, an abomination, ki hudova nis'av l'nefesh kedosha afilu b'tolada. It's something which is naturally repugnant to the sacred soul. Another Torah teaching. According to Chazal, same-sex, in quotations, weddings, i.e., that is, formalizing such categorically pro prohibited relationships represent the depths of depravity. How do we know that there was no nation more corrupt in their behavior than the Egyptians? And how do we know that the people who inha inhabited Eretz Canaan also were unsurpassed in their 
Hashrasa, Talmud Loma, Kamasa Erz Kanan Lasasa. Umeho Yosem. What do they do, these, these depraved peoples? Ha'ish no se la'ish. Ve'ha'ish al'isha. Amongst ancient peoples, none surpassed the depravity of the Egyptians and the Canaanites, and same-sex weddings epitomize that depravity. The prohibitions associated with such, again, each time in quotation marks, weddings are not limited to the, quote, marrying individuals. Regardless of one's intentions or motivations, which constitute the why of attendance, attending a wedding signifies joining in the public celebration of the nuptials, the what of attendance. Thus, attendees at a same-sex wedding join in celebrating a brazen defiance of Dvarasha. Accordingly, even attending such a wedding is an especially egregious form of Megala Ponimbatora, brazenly, brazenly defying the Torah, and Chilol Hashem, publicly sinning, diminishing and debasing Kvod Shamayim. Gilu Yiponim Torah and Chilol Hashem, Isurim of ultimate severity, can never be countenanced, regardless of motivation or goal. Attendees at a same-sex wedding are also guilty of the Oven Godol, that's the way the Rambam classifies it, of Machzer Kideh Ove Avera, encouraging and supporting people to persist in sinning. Trans surgery is an act of mutilation and castration, serious, and is unequivocally forbidden. While these designations already reflect multiple serious prohibitions, there's an even more egregious, sacrilegious, ultimate violation at the root of trans surgery. At its core, the trans movement is part of a broader assault on truth in favor of unbridled personal autonomy and gratification. This movement began rejecting traditional moral and religious truths, including, but not limited to, sexual norms, and has proceeded to rejecting factual truth, including, but not limited to, gender identity. The rejection of truth operates under varying guises and employs a wide range of tactics. Trans surgery alleges to cure gender dysphoria. Under the cover of a largely societally manufactured problem and a fraudulent cure, it rebels against the truth of natural gender by surgically outwardly destroying it. The medical team and patient partner in the rebellion. Increasingly, large swaths of society employ a different tactic. They outright deny objective gender identity and obsess over their pronouns. Reflecting on these segments of contemporary society, one can only say together with the Lewis Carroll characters, most everyone's mad here, stark, raving mad. But madness is not the extent of it. 
The movement rejecting truth, of which the trans movement is a subsidiary, and trans surgery an expression, is at its core atheistic. It effectively, it has effectively created for itself a relativistic, nihilistic world. And nihilism is religiously synonymous with Kriva. A world which recognizes and welcomes the Vare Olam perforce is objectively real, wherein absolute truth exists and has been revealed, and there are established religious and moral norms. This is so because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is MS, he's the source of objective reality, and he has revealed absolute moral and religious norms. The staggeringly pervasive and militantly aggressive LGBTQT culture poses formidable challenges to someone who seeks to be a Yeresha Mayim, a Torah committed Jew. The following remarks focus on two of those emergent challenges. Don't behave as they did in Mitzrayim, where you formerly dwelled. So too, don't behave as they do in Canaan, whither I am bringing you, and don't adopt their practices. At this point in the Torah, we're well acquainted with both Mitzrayim and Canaan. So why does the Torah now identify these locales, respectively, as Asher Yeshav Temba and, and Asher Animevi Eschem Shoma? The Torah is cautioning us. Perhaps you think that you need not be mindful of this prohibition. You will reason that you will surely not be tempted to emulate such corrupt, reprehensible behavior. You will naturally, effortlessly, even mindlessly, comply because you viscerally recoil at the mere thought or mention of such behaviors. The Torah counters such complacency with a fundamental insight into human nature. What is commonplace, no matter how pathological and immoral, appears to us normal and acceptable. Such is human nature. If I venture outside and observe someone walking backwards, he appears strange. But if I observe such behavior day after day, and an ever-increasing number of people behaving that way, I unconsciously acclimate, and the behavior appears normal. Beware of their reprehensible behaviors, cautions the Torah, because you have had and will have extensive exposure. You are very susceptible and must continuously make a concerted effort to sustain and protect your Torah-based moral knowledge and instinct. Otherwise, to varying degrees, you will inevitably be, inevitably be affected and infected by the rampant, regnant, immoral culture. The omnipresent LGBTQT culture, the modern instantiation of Maaseh Eretz Mitzrayim and Maaseh Eretz Canaan, 
has directly challenged us. Will prolonged exposure to depravity erode our Torah moral values and distort beyond recognition our Torah moral compass? Will we become desensitized to and even accepting of immorality and brazenness, heretical nihilism? Sadly and tragically, our response has been deficient. The LGBTQT culture has, to varying degrees, perniciously affected and insidiously infected some Orthodox communities. The following shocking breach illustrates this most painful development and the decree, degree of moral decay. Not so long ago, no Orthodox Jew presented with a nightmarish scenario of a same-sex marriage would have ever considered, even for a fleeting moment, attending. Every Orthodox Jew would have viscerally recoiled at the prospect of celebrating the debauchery of Masih Eretz Mitzrayim. And yet, today, some misguided Orthodox Jews attend such weddings. Another illustration, hopefully exceptional, nonetheless shocking in its cruelty, of moral confusion and decay. Nominally, Orthodox parents cross-dress their children alongside other measures which they adopt and thereby intentionally track them from a very young age to transition. Oy le'enayim shekach ve'os, oy le'oznayim shekach shemos. In response to the Asher Yeshavtim Bar challenge, we need to review the relevant, unequivocal Torah sources and thereby reinforce in our own minds and hearts the Torah's teachings. We need to restore our moral sensitivities so that we once again recognize that homosexual behaviors and transsexual initiatives are anathema. The review and reinforcement need to be ongoing to counter our constant exposure. Rabbonim need to give words of chizak on the pulpit. The challenge must also be met educationally. Our day schools and yeshivas, at an age-appropriate time and in an age-appropriate fashion, need to be mechanech our children in this area, thereby educationally inoculating them, because they having been born into a world that celebrates Masa Eretz Mitzrayim, are especially vulnerable to the insidious influence of inevitable exposure. We face a second challenge as well. The LGBTQT culture is pervasive. With breathtaking speed, in large swaths of society, its ideology has not only emerged as an ideology amongst others, rather it has become the regnant orthodoxy, dogmatically asserted and ruthlessly imposed by cancel culture. Such morally and politically oppressive conditions can easily foster defensiveness, apologetics, and insecurity. Rather than succumb to societal pressures and adopt any of these postures, we need to proudly stand firm 
unabashedly defend and abide by Torah morals and norms. Our very faith requires such a proud principle response. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is perfect, blessed us with his perfect Torah, which is the source of absolute morality. One lives by divine truth and stands for divine morality with a sense of privilege, pride, and conviction, not apologetics and insecurity. Genuine belief and behavior must be commensurate. The tour opens his magnum opus as follows. Yehuda men teima omer, have az kanomer, v'kal kanesher, v'atz katsvi, v'gibo kari, v'asas v'tzon avicha shabashamayim. Be bold as a, what's a nomer, a leopard, be bold as a leopard. The first of the four directives that Yehuda men teima gives. Hischel ve'ez, I skipped a few words, Hischel ve'ez, says the Torah, he begins by accentuating the need for boldness because it's a major and overarching principle in Avodas Hashem. At times a person's heart is in the right place, he wants to do a mitzvah, but he's inhibited from doing it because people scoff at him. People ridicule him. The Alkain is here, and that's why Yehuda Men exhorts us that to be bold against those who scoff and ridicule. The Altimna Milasas Mitzvah. And don't be intimidated. The Torah frames halacha and all halachic observance. This is the opening lines, the opening words of, of his compendium on, on halacha. The Torah frames halacha and all halachic observance with the lodestar words of Yehuda Mentema. And the Tana, in turn, prioritized boldness because it's a major overarching principle in Avodos Hashem. The Ramah takes his cue from the Torah. He too frames halachic observance by beginning his glasses to Shulchan Aruch with the following charge: A person should never ever be embarrassed, ashamed because of people who ridicule him for Avodas Hashem. Throughout our history, we've been called upon to walk in the footsteps, footsteps of Avram Avinu Ha'ivri, who in his faith commit, commitment stood on one side, while the whole world stood in opposition on the other side. Ancient Mesopotamia was violently opposed to monotheism, and yet Avram Avinu persevered. Without that perseverance, Without, the, without that quality of bold stubbornness and steadfastness, the Jewish people would not have come into existence. Without emulating him, we can't continue to exist. We would, Rahman al-Atzlan, assimilate and disappear. 
In our generation as well, we're called upon to inwardly think and outwardly behave cross-culturally. We proudly live by our Masora, unapologetically transmit it in its entirety, and unabashedly observe all its halachos and implement its standards. Our unflinching, proud, principled stand rejects all aspects of the LGBTQT lifestyle, but simultaneously, emphatically and empathetically, encourages individuals who have strayed to return, seek guidance and support, and do tshuva. There's a potential vital corollary to our proudly upholding and implementing our faith commitment. The dogmatic LGBTQT orthodoxy has and continues to inhibit and suppress initiatives to genuinely help individuals who are struggling with same-sex attraction or confused gender identity. Instead of supporting efforts to discover pathways out of the morass, the regnant orthodoxy deepens it. One who is as kanama, however, is free from inhibition. We should be encouraging and supporting our outstanding mental health professionals, asher yerosom kodemus masam, to find a place, safe place, where they can legally devote themselves to helping sincerely struggling individuals who have been and are victimized by the societally driven sexual confusion and anomaly. I'd like to conclude just by sharing two further sources. The Torah's parsha of, of Eranidachas deals with a city whose inhabitants engage in Avodazara. The, the Rambam in, in the Monavuchim has a remarkable, remarkable comment. Kain Hadin Ladati Ba'asher Lachol Avera. Listen to this, in my opinion, says the Rambam, Ilu Adam Yisrael, for Jew, Achal Basu Bachalov, would eat a cheeseburger, or love a shatnes, or gileach paasarosh, or would cut off the paasarosh, mitoch zilzol. Not because of temptation, but because of contempt. The hakola be'erkam. And dismissing them. Mitoch deyo. From a view, from a belief, shemimeno misbarer. From which it becomes clear. She'ein hu ma'amin ba'amitas ha'tzivoy hazeh. It's clear from his behavior, he doesn't believe in the truth of this commandment. Who hoya v'einai, that individual in my eyes, says the Rambam, 
Es Hashem hu He blasphemes HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in a time, in a different time, in a different place, not in this day, not in this place, but in a different time, in a different place, He's dealt with, not punitively, but he's dealt with as a heretic. Who are also treated that way because of the heresy. If the Ramam were living today, instead of giving the examples or alongside the examples of Bosa Bukhalov or the Vishashatnais or Giluach Pa'asarosh, so the Rambam would have added Mishkav Zacha, he would have added Masa Eretz Mitzrayim, and he would have said, Lida'ati ilu Adam Yisrael engages in these behaviors mitoch zilzul because of a contempt for Devar Hashem, for the Tzibar Hashem, because he lightly dismisses them. Who be'enai, he in my eyes, the Rambam says, es Hashem humagadev. It's giduf, it's blasphemy. And the, the, the final source, and many of you are familiar with this, When the challenge of the day for American Jewry was the push to remove mechitzas from Orthodox Shulman, and the argument was it was the only way to stop the hemorrhaging of people who were leaving Orthodox Shulman and going to conservative temples. So the Rav spoke out very clearly, very forcefully, <coughs> opposing it to the nth degree. I know beforehand the reaction to my letter on the part of our apostles of religious modernism and utilitarianism. Those two words are in quotation marks. If the Rav were writing today about our issue, he would say, in quotation marks, chesed, compassion. The quotation marks indicating spurious. They will certainly say that since a great majority of the recently constructed synagogues have abandoned separate seating, we must not be out of step with the masses. This type of reasoning could well be employed with regard to other religious precepts such as the observance of Shabbos or the dietary laws. However, we must remember that an ethical or halakhic principle decreed by God is not rendered void by the fact that the people refuse to abide by it. Its cogency and veracity are perennial and independent of compliance on the part of the multitudes. If the ethical norm, thou shalt not kill, has not lost its validity during the days of extermination camps and gas chambers when millions of people were engaged in ruthless murder, but on the contrary has been impregnated with deeper meaning 
and significance, then every halachic maxim assumes greater import in times of widespread disregard and unconcern. The greater the difficulty, the more biting the ridicule and sarcasm, and the more numerous the opponent, then the holier is the principle, and the more sacred is our duty to defend it. Repeating, the greater the difficulty, the more biting the ridicule and sarcasm, and the more numerous the opponent, then the holier is the principle, the holier is the principle, and the more sacred is our duty to defend it. In my opinion, says the Rav, the halachic dictum, Bishaz Gzeres HaMalchus, Afilu Mitzvah Kalda, Kigon L'Shinuye Arkus HaDemasana Yehoeg Valyavor, at a time of religious persecution through governmental decree, even for a minor custom, such as one involving changing a shoelace, let one suffer death sooner than transgress it, requiring of us a heroic stand in times of adversity, applies not only to political and religious persecution originated by some pagan ruler, but also to situations in which a small number of God-fearing and Torah-loyal people is confronted with a hostile attitude on the part of the majority dominated by a false philosophy. It's, it's frightening how apt and targeted the Rav's words are today as well. Thank you. I'll get to you next time.